Hi, and welcome to I Love Edmonton Real Estate. I'm your host, Jason Scott. I'm a mortgage broker with TMG, the mortgage group. And my guests today are Mike Greckel and Cole Greckel. Both of them are with Maxwell Progressive. Welcome to the show, guys. Well, thank you for having us, Jason. Thanks for having us, Jason. Yeah. So tell me, what's going on in Edmonton real estate these days? Well, maybe we should first disclose this as father, son, not brothers. Okay. Yeah. Actually, let's talk about that. So Mike, you're the dad. Cole, you're the son. You've been a realtor for a long time, Mike. Cole, you're a couple of years into it. How are you finding working together if you're in fact actually working together as a team? We don't work together per se as a team, but we do, I guess, talk a lot. We're out of the same brokerage. I've been 19 years in the business with a huge career prior to that in the hospitality business, restaurant, hotels, bars, whatnot. So management ownership. So I've been self-employed my whole life. And uh, Cole decided a couple of years ago that he was going to try his hand in self-employment. Yeah. And real estate just seemed like a natural jumping off point for me. I think seeing how he operated for like the last 20 years in the business and talking to him, it was there was no smoke and mirrors. I knew exactly what I was getting myself into. And he's been a really great mentor. And we don't really share clients that often. We have in the past and it's worked out pretty seamlessly. But I think we both really respect our own freedom. And uh, what I never wanted to do when I got into the business was eat off his plate and uh, really wanted to make my own business for myself. And uh, I think I've done a good job of doing that while still obviously leveraging all of his expertise. Obviously, you've learned a few tricks in the trade from your dad. And I always say he listened to me when I was on calls in the car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> starting from uh, being in like the car seat, right? Like the That's seat. right. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a lifetime education right there. It's huge. So awesome. How are you finding being a realtor? To me, it's just been the perfect change. I think it really fits my personality well. Growing up playing competitive hockey, I always kind of wanted to do something for myself where I could be accountable to myself. And perhaps, you know, with that comes some challenges compared to working for an employer, but being responsible for other people's transactions and kind of being the expert that they go to, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that, but I've kind of taken it in stride. And I think with it, obviously you build your confidence, the more business that you do, but yeah, it's been a great transition. I came from kind of a labor role where on a day like today, it's minus 30 in Edmonton and I would have been outside, you know, I would have been doing some heavy lifting. And so no matter what the job throws at you now, I have that perspective that it's not backbreaking work in real estate. It's a different sort of skill set that you lean on. And I much prefer that change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mike, why did you switch from hospitality to real estate? That's a pretty big transition. It was a a huge transition. Obviously, I've dealt with the general public for many, many years. I grew up in the business. My mom and dad were in uh, the hotel business. So I just from relationship, that's how I was exposed to the hospitality industry, and it continued into a career for me after high school. So actively, over 25 years of managing, operating, owning businesses, and I was burnt out. At one point, I employed over 150 people that I was responsible for. Oh, wow. The last business I had was much smaller with uh, seven employees, but still had to depend on employees to represent myself. I was at a stage where I really wanted a career change. I wanted something that I could direct with minimal involvement from outside help or sources, basically uh, something I could do till I was old and gray. So 
kind of got both now. What, the old and the great? (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much. But I definitely wanted to be able to ride off into the sunset, and I enjoy working, so I didn't want to have to quit or be forced into retirement. So I have no idea how long I'll do this for. I'm 60 now, but uh, as long as I enjoy getting up and going to work, I'll continue doing real estate as long as I can. Yeah. 19, 20 years, you've seen a few uh, cycles come and go. Where do you think we are right now in the real estate cycle in Edmonton? Uh, Good question. I believe, you know, so many things obviously are going to be predicated upon, I guess, government action, be it Edmonton governments, provincial, federal. But I do think Alberta is a huge driver of the economy of Canada, certainly seeing a lot of in-migration in our business Early on in the business, I got in the business in 2005, and there was a lot of in-migration with Alberta. A lot of people moving to Alberta, a lot of people buying homes. Yeah, that was boom time for people who aren't familiar with. So, yeah, we went through the cycles. You know, that came to an end. We had a downturn in it. So, it's been hills and valleys. Around 2015, 2016, the in-migration certainly changed. It was pretty much out-migration at that point, and then we had a pretty stagnant period for a number of years until we started to see the in-migration moving back to Alberta, where we're currently at. Yeah. Well, and now we've got extra international migration coming, too. So when you say in-migration, you mean interprovincial people coming from largely B.C. and Ontario. Yeah, a lot of my business, like I say, early on, I had a lot of people moving here from within Alberta. I have dealt with new Canadians that have new to Canada and trying to buy their first home here. Currently, definitely, there is a huge market with new Canadians. Completed a deal here recently with a couple from India, and it was uh, it was interesting because of the uh, dynamics. I guess we're all humans, but depending where you come from, you do come with maybe some different thoughts uh, and whatnot in the end. We got along great, and it was a great experience working with that couple. Okay. Cole, you had mentioned someone moving here from Sweden. Yeah, she actually grew up around Edmonton in one of the satellite cities and was kind of taken away by a, as life takes you to different places. She ended up in Sweden and started a family there. And Sweden, very similar in climate, but much different socioeconomic standing than maybe Canada or specifically Edmonton can offer. And I think she always yearned to move back here, be closer to family. Her parents are getting a little older in age. And now that she has a couple kids, the prospect of owning a home and having that security, the roof over their head uh, was beginning to look impossible in Sweden. So they started to look at what they do. And and Edmonton was obviously an easy choice. And specifically when they started looking at the cost of homeownership here, it's just very accessible for even the families that are kind of on the lower end of our market. There's a lot of options for anybody and Yeah, so she's one great example. I've worked with some folks from Abu Dhabi who, again, chose Edmonton as kind of a second or third choice. They were thinking more Toronto or Vancouver. Once they realized the cost of living out in those provinces and in those cities, they realized Edmonton was kind of the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. So I would assume whether people are coming from BC or Ontario or coming internationally, you're going to take sort of the same approach maybe on educating them on the market here. How does that work? I guess, initial meeting with the client, trying to find out what their expectations are. One of the hardest things dealing with uh, buyer clients would be if they don't have an idea of what they want. I call it the shotgun approach. Edmonton's obviously a very big city. Hard to 
be on top of all areas. Or if we're searching as an example for a single family home, it can be completely overwhelming if you don't know where you want to be. So the first exercise with clients would be trying to choose an area or zero in on an area where they would like to be. And sometimes that changes as the relationship moves forward. Sometimes we start looking for a certain type of home and in the end, end up with something completely different. Big thing is listening to the client and trying to identify their needs. Sometimes the client doesn't really know what they want, so you may quietly or not push the client, but try to suggest certain things and open their eyes to different areas and a different product. And a lot of time you can see the light go on with the client once they realize what they're looking for. Yeah. I had a phone call with a, a woman from Toronto yesterday and she's like, oh, we want to buy in Edmonton. And we talked about the logistics of you need a job before you can get the mortgage kind of thing. And I suggested to her and her, that she and her husband would want to rent here for a little bit of, to get a sense of, you know, the city, what neighborhoods they may want to go towards. You can sure buy a whole lot more property here than in she was from Brampton right so world's different do you recommend people rent for a bit when they first come here or just buy or or what's your experience been with clients yeah a lot of the clients myself personally have moved here and again in a rental situation and a lot of the presentations that we go to when we're talking about I guess in migration and market situations and whatnot most people will rent. It might be a little different if you're selling in one area, moving to another. But new Canadians, as an example, moving to Canada will likely rent for at least two years before they decide to put down some of it, obviously job-orientated, trying to develop credit, qualify for a mortgage. But yes, renting is on both ends of the scale, be it younger or older. I've got older clients looking to sell the big house and downsize and downsize doesn't always mean less money depending on the product you're looking at but as an example elderly seller selling their home rather than buying something else and sinking a lot of money into it sometimes rental is a better option at that age and keeping their cash fluid if they're traveling or you know depending on their lifestyle so or depending on their health because they may not be that far away from moving into assisted living right that's correct yes yeah and it seems counterintuitive that a realtor would suggest renting but it's so dependent on what is that client's goals over the next five to ten years and the quickest way to lose money in real estate is to move often you know the transaction fees can really eat up any profit that you may see in a sale so if you're planning on moving here for the foreseeable future five to ten years maybe you want to make sure that that purchase that you're making is the one that will last that five to ten years so renting getting familiar with the different neighborhoods and and edmonton can vary quite a bit from north to south and especially when you get into the satellite cities around edmonton as well so coming in getting established getting your kids into the schools getting settled with work and then finding that home is maybe the best way to lock in a good investment and also have a stress-free experience too. Yeah, for sure. Good point. Now, Cole, so you started basically in the depths of COVID. And so how have you found your first two years in terms of, I guess, the learning curve? What like, what sort of interesting experiences have you? Yeah, well, I went full-time right when we had uh, one of the busiest summers on record. And for me, that was a lot of early experience working with clients 
often on the buyer side of things when I first started, I would have binders that looked like phone books because we would have to look at so many homes in order to find that one that actually was A, a fit and that B, they could win through a multiple offer scenario. So there were a lot of uh, unfortunate scenarios where uh, a client would come in and be outbid by somebody else. It was just that much of a seller's market that buyers had to kind of shoot from the hip with their offers. And there's a lot of trial and error that came with that. But for me personally, it was some great experience. And since then, obviously, we've seen a change in the market. Interest rates came up and kind of cooled the multiple offer approach and much more of a balanced market now. But yeah, I wouldn't change anything. I think the first several months were busy and active, and that helped me get settled in a way that maybe wouldn't have happened if I would have started within this last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Last year, I think, was a little bit of a Goldilocks market in terms of activity. From my perspective, it was kind of comfortable. My personal thought is that 2024 is going to be pretty darn busy. These people who have moved here in the last couple of years who have rented, now's the time they're probably getting ready to go for the purchases. What are your thoughts on that, Mike? I would agree with you. I do think interest rates obviously affect you know what you can spend or what your payments are going to be. However, it certainly hasn't decimated the market. We're still seeing competing offers at all levels from the bottom end to the top end, several that we could talk about. But uh, it's quite interesting in the market, buyers that are buying sight unseen from other provinces have been coming up in our business. I do think our market is going to stay very steady for the foreseeable future. When I first got in the business, I had an agent say, as long as the world requires food, fuel, essentially we're going to stay busy. And if there's world peace, then perhaps things will slow down. So I don't see world peace happening <laughs> in the near Haven't future. Haven't that one yet. <laughs> no, and even though you know we're trying to get off fossil fuels, there's still a huge demand worldwide for the things that Canada has. Yeah. Food, fuel, fertilizer. So you name it, we have it. And uh, I do think uh, the future in Alberta is very, very bright. So how do you deal with someone who wants to buy a place sight unseen like i mean i've bought a car without test driving it but buying a house is a whole other level right you know and i've had clients in the past that have purchased sight unseen there was a lot of photos video a lot of talking a lot of explaining to what the property was it's very unnerving because you're essentially making a decision huge purchase decision for somebody on their behalf. Like you, the realtor, are making the decision. Correct. Or trying to describe the property to where the buyer feels comfortable buying it. So much easier when you have the client boots on the ground in front of you viewing the property, then you can discuss pros and cons of a property, but at least they see it. So trying to do it through pictures and description and through my eyes is very difficult. Fortunately, the purchases that I did have, clients that I did work with, were very happy with the purchases. So one of the things that Cole and I talk about a lot is listening to the client, really listening to the client and understanding what their needs are. And I think that, I'm sure yourself, Jason, if you really listen, sometimes what the client is telling you isn't exactly what they want when you really listen to them. Well, sometimes, again, too many options leads to confusion, right? How have you handled multiple offer situations? And again, I think we're going to see that this year. 
We certainly saw a little bit last year and a whole lot more in 2022 and 2021, but I think it's coming back. How do you win those for your clients? I definitely had a lot of competing offers, multiple offer situations last year. I know Cole had as well. They're very, again, when I got in the business in 2005, 2006, and 7, yeah. were very busy times, very low inventory counts, and every offer was pretty much a competing offer. I actually yeah. sat in and one that had 28 offers one yeah. evening, and the seller wanted everybody to present in person, so we had... 28 agents sitting in a real estate office in a lobby waiting to get in and make their pitch. The biggest thing with the client is trying to make them understand that you've only got one chance to make a good impression. You don't have a chance to go back and forth with offer, counter offer. Basically got to decide, okay, what is my best position? And that's where the agent comes in trying to give credible advice, trying to, I guess, Look at the worst case scenario. I'll say to the client, if the worst case scenario happened and you had to sell tomorrow, is this house worth paying X for? So you have to look at it. If you're going to overpay for something, can you get your money out of it if you had to move tomorrow? So trying to be very careful in protecting the client's wallet is the way I've approached the business. I treat the client's wallet like it is my wallet personally. Would I do this? Ultimately, client's decision how they proceed. However, I try to give my perspective of what I think, what I know, what I might foresee. And as we know, the crystal ball looking forward can be a little cloudy at times. Yeah, for sure. Again, people who might hear this who are living in Vancouver or the GTA, they've had incredible increases in property prices and then a sudden drop in prices. And obviously that opens up a uh, world of hurt. How do you go about trying to keep emotion out of the buyer or the seller's side of things when you're doing a transaction? Because it's ultimately it's emotion that's driving those prices higher. Yeah, no, I think that's a huge part of the job and one that I take very seriously. I think it's a huge level of trust when people work with you and they open up about their worries, their concerns, their anxieties about buying a home. And I think that's where Mike talks about listening to the client and knowing what their ownership horizon looks like. If it is a five, 10 year hold and we are in a multiple offer situation, is this a home that you're really going to be happy with over five, 10 years? Because maybe that offer should be a little bit more aggressive to find you that home that is quote unquote perfect for you. Yeah, maybe you're paying a little bit more than you thought you would have, but over those five, 10 years, you're going to be happy and there's definitely a value there. Listening to the client is so big and the emotions that they have are always justified. There's a million different emotions that I've seen in just my limited time in the business and I just think listening and hearing them out and kind of using the experience that you have to try to level with them a little bit. And uh, But at the end of the day, like if they have an anxiety, they probably don't have enough information. Mm -hmm. So you try to give them the information that could help them wrap their head around the decision. And there's always a solution to any problem. I think it's a collaborative approach between you and the uh, client. I mean, they likely have questions that they don't even know they have. So the more conversation you can have with them, the quicker you can kind of sort through the fog of anxiety when it comes to a big purchase like that. The average person might make three different transactions in their life. Like it's a very limited amount. We might do that in, in a given month. So we have kind of that expert basis to work off of, but it doesn't mean we're telling the client what to do. It's getting them comfortable so they can make the decision on their own. Yeah, for sure. Mike, what was the transaction where you went, you know what? Real estate is absolutely the right place for me to be. 
I don't know if there was, well, I shouldn't say that. There probably was one specific transaction. When I made the switch, the career change in 2005, took my training, became licensed, joined a brokerage, and suddenly I'm a real estate agent. For many years, I'm Mike the restaurant guy, Mike the bar guy. Suddenly, I'm Mike the realtor. Well, why would anybody come to use Mike the realtor? So that was a difficult transition initially, I would say. I was still operating uh, the pub that I owned. By day, I'm doing real estate. By night, I'm selling drinks and getting to bed real late. So it was a lot of pressure. And what I found was so many years in the hospitality business where people came to see me. They come through my doors to my business. Now I had to figure out how to get into people's doors and into their lives. So that was definitely a challenge. I spent the first year, the better part of the year, daytime, you know, reading a lot, reviewing a lot, not really in front of clients a lot, making phone calls. I didn't quite come up to speed as quick as Cole did in his business. But when it did happen, the light came on. I had a transaction, a friend that I worked with or acquaintance and his family. It was an incredible situation. We ended up in a competing offer, got my client a lot more than they thought their home was worth, uh, secured a purchase on an acreage, and they were incredibly happy. Everything worked out, couldn't have worked out better, essentially. But that was really when I said, this business is really cool, and I can see there's so much more to it. And as time went on, it just, again continued to evolve. So I do a lot of personal referral, a lot of sphere of influencing marketing. So I try to stick, rather than trying to get everybody to be my client, I try to stick to people I know and referral from those people. And it's worked out very well for me. Cole, how about you? When was it that you went, you know what, this is the right career for me? It took a while for me to get comfortable. I think, you know, the anxiety of where's the next paycheck going to come from when you're working for yourself, essentially as a realtor, it's one of the only jobs where you have to pay to go to work every day, right? We've got an overhead of brokerage fees and, and that's our problem really. And that should never influence your dealings with the client. But when you go home at night and you're sitting there and you're thinking about what you have to do the next day, there is some pressure. So really refining the business to the point where you're comfortable. I'm still working at it, but I think it's just doing right by the client. And like Mike said, I think when you have a, a win for a client and they're happy and they're getting settled and the kids are going to school and, you know, sometimes they'll send you pictures of them playing in the backyard and it just reinforces why you're in the business. It's more about helping people than it is helping yourself. And in a crazy, you know, cycle, if you're helping people, you're helping yourself. So that takes away the anxiety of where's the next deal going to come from as long as you're doing right by other people. For sure. I mean, this is supposed to be a marathon, not a sprint, right? The business will come. You just have to keep putting the reps in. What was the most frustrating day in real estate for you, Mike? <laughs> I've had many. Uh, <laughs> I'm asking for the most one. <laughs> I, you know, to say what was the most frustrating is pretty tough. <laughs> I've had days where I've had three deals on the go, and suddenly I think I'm going to have three paychecks coming to find them all fall apart on me, you know, for various reasons. So there's a lot of ups and downs. And I would say over the course of my career in real estate, I've had way more ups than downs, but there are some pretty low days. Specifically point one out, 
it's funny, you know, because I can remember the wins, but trying to remember the, the losses, yeah. you know, I know there's lots of them, but to specifically point one out, it's yeah. like we block the negative yeah, yeah, yeah. and stay so with the positive. What's your favorite win? Boy, when you get that file, you've been looking with a client. And the thing is, it's not like TV where you show three properties and they got your client needs to pick one. But if you're working with a buyer and like Cole said, the folder is starting to get pretty thick. I'm on folder number three and filling them up. But then it's interesting because I'll tell buyer clients this all the time. And it's true. When the buyer client finds the property they want, you see it in their eyes. Yeah, it's like the penny drops, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I've you know, had clients where literally the first home I've showed them is the one they purchased. And I've had others where it's taken literally probably 100 homes. But when the light comes on, that is by far the most, you know, they found what they want. Now you just got to secure the deal. But the point is, it's very satisfying. And I guess if I was going to pick out You've asked a specific question, which I can't really answer, but I'm going to say when the light comes on with the client, that's when I know it's extremely satisfying and that's why I'm in the business. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cole, what's the best piece of real estate advice you ever received? Several from both my dad and my grandpa. I think obviously my dad's experience as being a realtor, he said it before of just that treating your client's wallet like it's your own is so big because we kind of get inundated with data and numbers and you have to really focus on what's best for that client. And if they have a budget, you have to respect that. And I mean, the fiduciary obligation that we have is to do best by our client and follow their directive. So that kind of uh, advice that I've gotten from him is huge. There was a time when I was maybe eight or 10 years old and my grandpa, Ed, took me for a drive out to Rabbit Hill. He's got a bunch of friends with farms out that way. And we're driving from basically the new subdivisions of the south side of Edmonton. And, and he's going, you know, all this used to be farmland. And then lo and behold, we're in farmland. And he's going, my friend sold this acre to a developer. And back in 10, 20 years ago, that was a good chunk of change for him. Look what it's become. And he said, you know, I, he told me some personal stories of different transactions that took place. And the message was that there won't be any more land developed, no more land created. Right, It'll yeah. always be developed. And there's really value in the land that you can't see right now. You need to have a long-term vision for it. You know, hearing stories about, oh, this used to be a dirt road. Now it's a freeway. We're constantly expanding. We have the land here in Alberta to do it. Real estate is really a great tool for wealth building. So that at eight or 10 was a pretty great lesson for me even now. So I yeah. always go back to that. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's say the two of you had family who were going to buy or they were going to sell a property in another city. So let's pick Toronto, right? What advice would you give that person in terms of how they should pick a realtor? And without referring them to Without referring them. Okay. Yeah, let's say so, you don't know anyone in that right. city. How would you go about picking an agent? Yeah. Go with your gut. There's times where I've been called and said, well, I'm interviewing realtors. And I know agents that won't even entertain the thought. Either you want to work with me or you don't. Yeah. I don't want to be in a competition. I have no problem if somebody wants to interview me. If they're comfortable wanting to work with me, that's great. If they decide to work with somebody else, I don't take offense to that. Yeah, you can't be all things to all people. Exactly. So I would say my advice to somebody would be interview as many agents as you can within a reasonable amount of time to find out what they're like. You're going to find out pretty quick if the guy on the bus bench or the guy on the TV or the radio is the guy you want to work with or 
Maybe that's not the person you want to work with. If you know people in the area you're moving to, try to get a referral from them. If they had a positive experience with somebody, likely they might be a good fit for yourself. So definitely taking the time to talk to somebody, have questions and consistent questions. So you ask each agent the same question and see what their response is. And then, again, go with your gut with the agent that makes you feel the most comfortable because it is a partnership and like any partnership be it a personal relationship business whatever i mean when we partner with somebody we need to be comfortable with them yeah for sure cole you got anything to add on that yeah i mean i was fortunate when i bought my home in 2018 i had you know my dad was my realtor and i i knew what i was getting it <laughs> for better or for worse you right? thought you did <laughs> But no, in all seriousness, he was the most patient educator and advisor through the whole process. And talking with some of my friends after I bought my home, they were jealous of that. They didn't get that sort of stewardship. You know, there was more of a, you felt a disconnect between you and the realtor. And so I saw an opportunity there that maybe I had an inside edge to offering a service like that. And there are a ton of great realtors out there. Like you said, we're not everything to all people. You want to find somebody that's going to listen that really feels like they're looking after your best interest. And that's available in any city. You just got to kind of dig a little bit for it. Just like any other business. When If I want to hire a plumber, I'm going to call three or four different companies, find the one that has good Google reviews and all the rest. And But really, you're going to go with the person that seems like they're going to take care of you and do a good job. So uh, there's no science to it. It's the personal relationship that you're going to build with them. You got to be confident in that. Mike, sort of one last thought here, or one last theme. If you looked at your last 10 closings, are you seeing any sort of pattern develop that might speak to where we're going in 2024? A lot of competing offers. In the last year, I if I had uh, commissions for every piece of paper I wrote, I'd probably be retired sitting on the beach. <laughs> Definitely, there's no doubt we're in a very hectic market. And as I said earlier, as we were chatting, it really doesn't matter the price point. I'm in a mobile home offer on the weekend that ended up being three competing offers on a $50,000 property. Oh, really? Cole was in one recently, uh, a high seven-figure property that ended up being a competing offer property on market for, I believe it was less than two weeks, was it not? Yeah, that's right. And so, was it one or two million bucks? Uh, it was over three. Holy smokes. Yeah, so it's all facets of the market is seeing activity I don't think we have a real shortage of inventory like we've seen in the 2005 through seven market. At that time, we had maybe 700, 800 listings per day. And our ticker on a daily basis shows us probably close to 10,000 listings. That's condominiums all in single family homes. So it's not so much that we have a severe lack of inventory, but there's definitely pressure on the market with the number of people looking and a lot of people looking like I say, all price points. It's something I haven't really seen in my tenure in the business with that much competing offers across the spectrum. Yeah, Yeah, I've never heard of a multiple offer on a mobile home on rented land. Like, that was in a park, right? Yep, absolutely. At least land. The seller was pushing us to be unconditional, which I'd never recommend to a client, especially in the fact there was, uh, had to have a lease approval on the land. Well, if you go unconditional and you don't have the lease approval, now you've got a mobile home attached to the back of your pickup truck. <laughs> uh, so you have to be very, very careful in that situation. And of course, advising the client, of course, the client wants to win. 
but not at all cost. I would never put a client in that position. Yeah, for sure. Any other thoughts or comments to wrap it up, guys? I just think, you know, if you're asking where we're headed as a market, you got to look at the migration numbers. And the premier said recently that we're going to have doubled population by 2050. There's clearly a demand in Alberta from around the country, from outside the country. And for the folks that have been kind of sitting on the sidelines for the last year, watching interest rates climb, you know, you can speak to this. I think there's some relief on that horizon. I think that probably some reduction in interest rates, maybe by the springtime even. For those folks that are sitting on the sideline, it's going to get much more competitive. There will be those multiple offers on the perfectly located move-in ready homes. So you want to be prepared. You want to be financially prepared. I think when it comes to multiple offers, having a solid sense of your financing capabilities, have a conditional approval letter that you can offer the seller, be ready to go because uh, surely there's going to be a lot more competition on the way. Yeah, I would agree. With I that. would agree with that. Yes. Being prepared from the, whether you're a buyer or a seller, being prepared is huge. If you're thinking of selling, making sure your home is in selling condition. Nothing worse than looking at photos and coming across what looked like a decent home until you delve into the photos. And maybe it is a nice home, but it looks upside down when you're looking at photos. So you're doing yourself a disservice by not being organized in that scenario. Yeah, and as a seller, you really only have one opportunity to make a first impression. Your pictures, they tell the whole story. And, you know, talking to a realtor early on about maybe you want to replace the carpet, but it's in an area where predominantly the buyers don't like carpet. They like vinyl plank. Like we have a level of expertise that we could offer in the early stages and nothing, of course, needs to be set in stone. Maybe we're not even representing you on the sale, but talking to experts before the sign goes in the lawn is very important. You want to be prepared and you want to be on the right footing when you take it to market. Yeah. And again, going back earlier in our conversation, and I was going to mention, you know, working with clients, especially buyers, you know, we vary. We've got buyers that have sometimes zero down, 5% down, but maybe they have enough money for 20% down. Some can be cash buyers. So it depends on the buyer sometimes how we approach a situation as well, especially in a competing offer. So again, as Jason would know, no two clients are ever the same in the financial standpoint. But uh, if you are a minimum down payment buyer, overpaying for a property can be very, very bad because of the fact you end up with zero equity. And especially if there's a market shift, prices drop, you know, you've got an insured mortgage and you're behind the eight ball, so to speak. And then, of course, you're trying to sell it because you can't afford it. But now... You can't get rid of it because you can't pay off the mortgage. Yeah. So, yeah, like you say, having the conversation, really getting to know the client, trying to give the best advice possible. Sometimes the clients don't like what we're saying or perhaps uh, embrace it. But I think after they really chew on it and think about it, there's a lot of worth in working with a professional that does work in the business full-time. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I would much rather have a difficult conversation and say, I don't think you qualify than to see someone in foreclosure personally, right? It's brutal. I agree. I've seen cases over the years where buyers will do whatever they can to buy and maybe don't make the right decision and you try to put in your two cents worth, but it maybe falls on deaf ears and then down the road you find out they do have problems. So those are unfortunate cases. We try to mitigate that and stay away from that. And 
hopefully have a very positive experience for both buyers and sellers. And to me, that offers a different opportunity where perhaps they move into the rental space and and they live there for a a year or a few years, gives them the opportunity to get educated on the market, maybe look at a handful of places with us in the meantime to know exactly what they want when the time is right. It gives them something to put up on their wall that they're working towards, that they're saving for. Build their down payment, pay down debt, whatever, rebuild credit. For sure. There's nothing wrong with waiting a little bit too. No, sometimes patience is going to serve you well in real estate. Slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, it's a marathon on both sides of the transaction, right? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. All right, Mike Greckle, Cold Greckle, thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, Jason. Thank you.